This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. But rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 160 of the Stacey West podcast. My name's Gary, with me today is Jake, but before I give him a chance to say hello, I'm just wondering if I've done that wrong, because normally when the introduction comes on, I think he, he puts like a um, stress on the word of, so he'll go, welcome to episode 160 of the Stacey West podcast, <laughs> so I don't know if that's better. Jake, what's your opinions? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I don't really know, Gaz, to be honest, but um, I have noticed that um, he likes to emphasise certain words. Um, but no, he's he's a he's a strange man, is is our Ben Ward. But um, you know, we we just made a thing off air. We said, you know, just to give Ben a little bit of a, a joke, we're not going to mention him at all on the podcast until the end. And we're forty-seven seconds in, um, and we've done it. So Ben's not with us this week. He's feeling poorly. Um, He's got a bad tummy. It'll be all the junk food he eats, I think, down at the ground. Um, so we haven't got Ben. So it's just me and you, and and you're a little bit a little bit perturbed today with the parking regulations in your town, aren't you? Well, it's actually our, our city in general. Um, yeah. So I mean, obviously, I knew that the fact that we'd lost on Tuesday meant I was going to get the call up tonight, um, and then. <laughs> Yeah, I was um, parking at work. I work at, at Lincoln College and they shut half the car park off because they're doing some construction work and I had to park on a, a little side street and I've, I've done it loads of times and, and got away with it. But today I walked back to my car maybe half an hour after the allocated two hours and there it was, a yellow ticket. I've never experienced it before. Um, £25 down the drain, that's the day at the football. So a bit annoyed, but it's all part of the learning curve, isn't it? That when you when you learn to drive and, it, and things like that. So it is you know, when, when you're when you're a youngster, when you're a youngster like you, Jake, you learn these things. Well, I I, I'm not looking for tickets in my time, but then Yeah. I'm, I'm not <laughs> no, looking for the at all. Nobody does. <sighs> I remember back, back in the day when I used to be a pupil at uh, Lincoln College, used to, used to come down Monks Road and there's a left turn in, um, I don't know if it's Rosemary Lane or something like that, and you go down there and there's a little car park on the left-hand side. Yeah. And 
many moons ago used to turn there and that wasn't a car park it was wasteland and i used to get in with a guy um from uh, rugby whose nickname was shape up um, and he used to drive this blue larder, the old style larder. He'd fitted his own sunroof by axle grinding out half of the roof and then like gobbo in a, a, a piece of glass in. It was classic. And he used to park on this thing. So we used to get there early and park right at the far end uh, out the way. And one day we came back and like everybody had suddenly caught onto it. And his car park was packed. And it was just after the new Beetle had been um released so it was this, this kind of brand new beetle in the way and the guy um shape up couldn't get out so he just drove this larder straight into the beetle and pushed it out of the way until we left and ever since then i've always rather than kind of going yeah that's a great story i've always thought shit that could have been me in the beetle and now i won't leave my car anywhere at all and that's why i don't get parking tickets anymore um, although i did pay for parking twice last tuesday because i got the machine wrong on some rumbold street and only parked until <laughs> six o'clock so then i had to go back in and park again so it cost me 10 nearly 10 quid to park so parking woes in lincoln um and of course speaking of woes uh you made the long trip to fleetwood without uh without seeing any football on saturday yeah do you know I had, I had a really good weekend well kind of just i think the football was probably the worst part of my bit away i went up to blackpool on friday uh met up with friend of the pod nappers um he showed me the ropes around blackpool we went on a on a big night out i was a wingman for him he uh managed to get himself a bit of a, a cop off of a, a young lady uh of, that lives in blackpool um so he was successful I had a great night and then i uh, woke up saturday morning had a nice full english breakfast at a local cafe and it started snowing about 10 o'clock and we all thought shit it's going to be called off. But obviously they wait until half past 12, which I can understand, obviously, with the the officials and all that. But obviously so many Lincoln fans had already started making the journey up, and I can imagine they're a little bit um, aggravated. But um, we could sort of tell by the time that I left my hotel room at half past nine, the game wasn't going to go ahead. And what was really good that perhaps didn't get reported was their chairman, Mr. Pilly, um, put on a free bar in their supporters bar after the game. So we we got to sit in the supporters bar with um, like their like their version of Alan Long, the absolute goat, um, and had a couple of few free beers, had a sit down, had some free pies, you know, just lived the northern life. And I was all all for it until I had to get in the car and drive to Bolton. Um, so I had to limit myself to beers, but um, even though the, the game didn't go ahead, um, not a bad day, really. So, so your stereotype in Northern is basically as beer drinking pie eaters. Well, look, listen, Gary. The, the way the way that they all these Northerners rush to the the, the spare pie box when they shouted out that they're all three was like something I've never seen. It was like, um, you know, remember at the, at the beginning of lockdown, there were those queues at Tesco's and, and most recently we had the queues at the petrol stations and all the, you know, that were running out of fuel. I, I, I would compare it to that because these Northerners were literally, they were throwing pies out the way and, oh, what have you got, meat and potato? Oh, I'll have that. Oh, I've got cheese and onion. No, I'm not having that. It was just carnage. And all that was left for me at the end was a sausage roll, which I'm not complaining, but there was one thing left in the box and there must have been about 50, 60 pies in there. And about you, do sound like you, you do sound like you're complaining, Jake. Well, do you know what? Oh, fuck it. I'll, I'll go with the mantra. Yeah, I am complaining. Yeah, yeah, I had a sausage roll and that was it. I wanted something else. 
I know full well that if Ben had been there and there'd been three pies going on, I guarantee you something, he wouldn't have done the, the Midlands thing and waited. He would have been there like a proper well, bona fide northerner. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, to, yeah, but you have to remember that Ben is a beta male. We are the alphas, Gary. So he would <laughs> he would have definitely have, have stood and let the northern blokes just accumulate their pies for their pockets. And then he would have gone in and, and picked up the scraps. You see, six minutes in and you've mentioned alpha males. That's on my Stacey West bingo card that I've got in front of me now as well. So that's Ben, <laughs> alpha males. There's the C word. I'm watching the timer so I know when to tell Ben to edit, edit out you swearing excessively. Um, yeah. Excessively. So, and, and just for the record, I wouldn't have been eating the pies because I am on a little bit of a health drive. So mm. it would have been, um, if they'd done like Linda McCartney pies, I might have gone in for one of those. Uh, but obviously no game against Fleetwood meant that uh, the first action and the only action that we've got to talk about was the game against Bolton. Um, it was it, it was a tough game, I think, not to watch in the first half. It was an engrossing game in the first half. Um, but then when their second goal went in, I think that that was probably the real killer. And I've come away come away from it feeling really negative. I've just had Chris from Imtunes message me and kind of say he's still Mardi as well. And I think probably the result, in my opinion, masks the performance. Um, but, I, I, you know, I don't know what you think. Let's talk about the first half, first of all. So we came under pressure for the first 15 minutes. Mm. We looked fairly raggedy. We looked like we were making many of the same sort of mistakes that we've made time and again in defence. Um, found our feet and probably, you know, going in at half-time, nil-nil, uh, did them more justice than it did us. I think probably we should have been one the lot. What, what were your thoughts? Mm. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right, Gaz. Um sort of the first 10-15 minutes when they've got the crowd I think the gate was close to 15,000 and to be honest if you stood in that away end it felt like it was probably double that um, they've got a really good atmosphere up there at Bolton and and it, sort of, it reminded me a little bit in the first 10 minutes of the Sunderland playoff game when they had 10k fans in the, at their ground and our players just looked completely shell-shocked they didn't know what to do with themselves they were making the same mistakes as we made at the Stadium of Light and as you say we, we were guilty to giving the ball away probably several times in in our final third and it just it just it it, it, it felt like a Bolton goal was coming unfortunately I think they had a few flash across the, the face of the goal and, and nothing really sort of came of it and then like you say we got into the game and it just was that that final ball wanted that was disappointing it was you know Scully got through on goal probably should have done better with a finish um, I think Maguire had one early in, uh, as well in that half that it was pretty much a, a pretty straightforward ball to John Marcus who was in on his own overplayed it straight to the goalkeeper and then I think Marcus missed an opportunity himself and we were sat there at half time or stood there at half time with a few of my mates thinking we should be winning this game we should be we should be ahead because Bolton have, have been playing badly and then you know you saw um, well you probably heard it on the through the radio that their fans were getting on their backs which when you go to a team like Bolton that is exactly what you want and um, it sort of helped it benefited us and, and as I say we were in the ascendancy but then I just feel like half time might have come at the wrong time for us because we were definitely getting on top and um, and yeah and obviously after half time what happened happened and but no positive first half really good first half I think Ian Everett came out and said that we played really well didn't he so um, another manager that's praised us Um but yeah, it was it was a good first half. I thought. Do you know what? What's really annoying is that actually we've only conceded twice in the first half since the Cheltenham game. 
um, mm. twice in the first half of games. I think one was Plymouth and one was MK Dons. I'm happy to be corrected on that. Um, we really assert dominance in the first half of the game. And even when we struggled the first 15 minutes, you know, we're a decent side and that's what really, really hacks me off because we'll come on to the negatives in a minute and we'll come on to the second half. Um, but you know, we were utterly dominant in terms of chances. We had five shots, two on target. Okay, it's not it's not pouring all over them, but this is a team that we've gone away to who were chasing the playoffs. They had two shots, zero on target. I know that the, the, the XG divides um people have seen comments on twitter that they don't like the xg they do xg ours was 0.61 um and theirs was 0.01 so literally they could have Mm. played that half of football another 98 times and not scored a goal and we should have scored a goal once every at least once every two so it kind of puts it into perspective i mean the big chance did come in the first half early in the middle of the first half sorry john marquis as you say it was an error from them at the back and they were as susceptible to us at the back. It, it, you know, it's like on FIFA. I think when you go to four, one on FIFA, the commentator comes on and he goes, well, the defending isn't of a high standard or something like that. And it felt yeah. just like that. Um, Marquis, yeah, I've watched it. He doesn't look like he gets himself into a good position, but the keeper comes out quite quickly. He makes for me the wrong decision in that he, he goes for the shot rather than pass. But our fans in the past would have said if he'd gone for the pass, why don't you just bloody shoot? So, yeah, mm. damned if you do, damned if you don't. For me, Mark, um, Maguire should probably have hit the target from the rebound. And then he was kind of pissed off. Uh, Marquis kind of, you know, hands out going, well, why, why didn't you pass the ball? Um, but it was just a good first half. Here's another interesting stat as well. In the first half against Doncaster, we played 292 passes. First half against Bolton, we played 168. And I think actually we get we get labelled as a team who are very, very good with the ball. And last season we used to talk about how we were good with the ball and Danny Cowley's teams weren't, you know, were great without the ball. Actually, we, we do a lot better when teams want to take possession. Um, and, and at half time, you know, I thought, there we go. Great. Fantastic. We're going to do well. And then we came out in the second half and, and you know, it, it, it took one moment, I expect, to turn their fans back on their side, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that, I think it will probably pull in its straws. I think there could have been a foul in the build-up on Regan Paul. I thought there was a bit of a push um, in his back. I, I, obviously, I've got my red and white tinted glasses on. Um, there were there was a couple of occasions that, that led to Bolton goals that that could have been given as fouls. I thought, but obviously, I'm I'm 50 meters away. I ain't got the benefit of having it on replay like people who watched it on iFollow. But yeah, I mean, straight after half time, it sort of they sort of. I think Ian Everett put a rocket inside him, um, basically giving him a good old kick up the arse. And yeah, they they came out and it, it was from a corner, wasn't it? Um, right at the yeah, back post. Goes, back now. Yeah, it goes through absolutely everybody. And then the centre half, I, I think he's practically unmarked. As he falls to the floor, he just sort of heads it in, which is a bit comical. But probably based off the opening sort of exchanges of the first half, you'd probably say that they deserved it. Um, but still disappointing to concede from another set piece because we seem to be doing that quite a bit um, this season compared to last year. Yeah, I mean, it's gone through the the man at the front post. It's gone through one, two, three, four, five, six of our defenders. The seventh player who is either level with the six-yard line or, or... or behind it in terms of in, in front of the goal is Cohen Bramwell and Bramwell's let his man go three yards in front of him. He's just stepped off him and headed it. And I'm not, I'm not here. Uh, I'm not individual shaming. I thought Cohen Bramwell probably was one of our better players. Mm. Excuse me. 
through the game. Um, but I still think that he is susceptible in defensive situations. And we go back to Cheltenham, the last-minute goal, where he heads the ball back across goal. And, you know, when he's good, Cohen Bramwell, he's very, very good. Um, and when he's not good, he's still all right going forward. But, you know, defensively, he's, he's very suspect. And for me, Cohen Bramwell's a defender I'd like to see on the side of a back three. But it's easy to point at him and say that's his fault. But that's like saying, you know, it'd be your fault if somebody jumped off a cliff, but three other people have walked past and just completely ignored them. There was plenty of chances for a contact in the six-yard area mm. because the ball isn't actually even that high. When you look at it coming in, OK, it, it, it's low, it's sort of lower than head height before it even reaches the six-yard box. So it's lower than head height. One, two, three, four, five, six players all watching it. And the, the guy comes in at the back post. I mean, it's... For me, there's no fault in it other than it's just crap defending from everybody. Um, mm. But after that, I kind of thought, well, here we go. This this is us now. We concede in the second half. You know, If you look back over the numbers, we almost certainly concede in the first 15 minutes of the second half, and then the heads drop. The heads drop for about 30 seconds to a minute. Bolton had another good opportunity more or less straight away. And then I thought we regrouped, and we started looking <coughs> good again. And obviously, Cohen's kind of made up for, for, for his... Error, uh, as we put it, hasn't he? <coughs> Sorry, yeah, <coughs> dear me, not COVID. I promise. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really clever play from Cohen. Really, I think it was down our left hand side, wasn't it? Scully um, sort of tormenting with a with Fossey, who's on loan from Fulham, um, really good defender as well, and then sort of just slipped the ball in, and, and Cohen Bramble sort of. I feel like it probably could have been stopped from a Bolton point of view, but it might have hit Cohen and fell quite kindly to him. And well, in that sort of position, you just think you can just hit the target. And I think it takes a bit of a healthy deflection. Um, you know, we're not really caring at that point. Um, but yeah, it was really good from Cohen. He's got in that position a few times, hasn't he, over, over recent games. I can remember at home against Morecambe and, and Doncaster. We, yeah, he does it all the time, doesn't he? When we're shooting towards the South Park end of the ground, he's always on that byline pretty much all the time. And yeah, it's becoming a bit of a, it's becoming a bit of a real, you know, stable for us, and um, yeah, he got his reward. Um, I've been quite critical of Bramwell sort of since he came to the football club, and he's sort of making me eat my words a little bit at the minute, which is, which is something obviously you want to see as a, a supporter. And no, he, he definitely are one of our better performers on the night, and probably has been maybe for three or four games now. Bramwell's been putting a, load, a string of really good performances, and you know, when we paid the money we did for Jamie Robson, and he's keeping him out of the team, he's, he's, he must be doing something right, and. Yeah, yeah, really good finish, really good goal. And then you think, right, well, let's go and win the game now. Let's not faff about. Let's go and try and get the second goal. And um, ultimately, it, it sort of swung the other way. Yeah, it was really painful. That was our only shot on goal in the second half on target. Mm. And just before that, yeah, we can't gloss over it. There's John Marcus's free, well, it's not a free header, yeah, but yeah. he's worked himself into a position where he's, he's beaten the centre-halves. He's missed the target. It wasn't the best night for the for the former Portsmouth man, really, was it? No, um, I initially thought it was Regan Paul. I think I think two of them jumped up at the back post and, and it, it went off target, didn't it? Um, but no, that obviously you score in that moment and you think, right, let's try and you know let's keep what we've got. And <sighs> disappointing to miss. Obviously, it's not done his confidence. I don't. I think. When he was at Pompey, I can remember last year we scored like maybe seven in the first nine, and then didn't score for a rather long time. And I feel like he, he well, a bit like Streaky Lee at, 
Southampton. He goes on really good runs of form and then you don't hear from him. But where I think John Marcus has a positive next to his name, he works 90 minutes, he's running. I don't think anybody could question his attitude on, on Tuesday night. Uh, and it looked difficult for him because Bolton, the way they play, they like to suffocate you. Um, the centre-halves play quite high. The full-backs are you know, practically on the edge of our 18-yard box. And it was hard work for him, which was why we were sort of a bit perplexed to see Tom Hopper come on and replace him, but probably saying that, that John was knackered, which I could understand. But yeah, take that opportunity, you two one up, you're thinking you've got the crowd against them, they're desperate for a goal. Even if it went to 2-2, you think, well, we'll take a point. But yeah, um, obviously devastated to miss that opportunity where it looked easier to score. Yeah, you see, I, I think Tom coming on was the sensible move. And it's funny, our fan perception kind of differs, isn't it? Because mm. I was thinking 60 minutes, you know, John's not getting a lot of luck here. He gave the ball away in a couple of key areas. He's missed a couple of big chances. Yes, he was still working hard, but I remember Jake Sheridan used to work really hard and mm. you know, he didn't used to get anywhere because of it. Um, and I just, I just, I felt at one all that was where it could have been shaken up. And it's easy to be you or I sat here going, well, Michael Appleton should have done this and that, as if it's football manager, because you know it's it's all it's all hypothetical, isn't it? It's like anybody that that kind of says, oh, well, we should have done that and that. And it, hindsight is really easy. And some people now saying, well, we're going to get relegated if we don't get relegated. Well, it doesn't matter because they've said it and we look like we were going to. So it's easy for us to say this, but I did feel that probably it was a good opportunity for Tom. I wondered if we we might even have started going a little bit longer and kind of employed the same tactics we did against Sunderland. But yeah, I think the the second goal was, you know, Bramwell's going forward. He's trying to get away from the. Uh, he's trying to get away. He's trying to get up the field. He's trying to get as a, a a goal. He's dispossessed. I mean, it's it's a poor one as it comes back across. But again, it's you know, it's, I think now I've calmed down a little bit looking at it, it's harsh to say it was any one person's fault. It's just not good defending from a collective again. Um, and even after that, I felt, I still don't think that we looked out of control. And that's what's really, that, to be honest, that's what pisses me off. Because I came away from that game, I said, I'm not doing my write-up, I'm really hacked off, we've lost this 3-1, and everyone was coming on saying, you know, words like shambles, diabolical, calling certain players, we've got the worst player they've ever seen in a Lincoln shirt. And you think we're in League One. We matched Bolton. We were as good as Bolton over 90 minutes. Not in terms of putting up the the, no, the complete performance, because if it's complete performance, you don't concede and you score, and that's why he was good. But in terms of our football, we were. As we were with MK, as we were with Plymouth, as we were with Sunderland, as we were with Wigan, as we were with Sheffield Wednesday. Say it all the time. There's only really been one team that's outplayed us, really outplayed us, and that was Rotherham. Portsmouth, we were, we were poor. And that's what annoys me, because you hear all those words and you hear people kind of almost like a... Not a smugness, because no Lincoln City fans want us to lose, but it's almost just like, have you not watched the game? Mm. Do you know what I mean? But then I can see where they're coming from, because the football is about goals and points. And whilst over one game or two games, you could say, well, our XG was better, or we're playing well here. When it's yeah. symptomatic of the entire season, when you're 28, 31, 40 games in, you know, that's not luck, is it? Luck happens over one, two, three, four games. So what is it? Why are we losing 3-1 at Bolton when we've been as good as they have for, for over two games now we've matched them? Over 180 minutes, we've conceded four times and lost both games. I don't get it. Yeah, I I, I think you probably have to tip your hat off a bit to Ian Everett because he made two subs, didn't he? And, and both of them have, have come on and, and scored and made an impact. Um, Kieran Sadley have come on on the left-hand side as a wing-back. Um, and then, as you say, that they use their wing-backs really well. I think it 
practically again went across the face of the box. The box. I, I didn't even realise it had gone in, um, but you know you watched it back on the replay. It's a, it's a fair strike from from Sadia. Obviously, he's a a player. I think we were probably rumoured with before he went to Doncaster. I seem to remember you writing an article about him, um, and then obviously went to Rotherham. So he's a fairly decent player. Um, but no, like you say, um, we're matching these really good teams, and it is increasingly frustrating. Um, you know, I, 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 you, there's only so much of it you want to hear, isn't it? That we played these good, these massive teams who are at the right end of the division and, and looking up, uh, and then we're sat here going, "Oh well, we played really well," but we're looking down, and it's okay for those supporters and opposition managers who have to say, who have to watch it twice a week, twice a season, sorry. Whereas we have to watch it pretty much every week and we, we watch a similar sort of performance where, you know, we, we flatter to, uh, de- yeah, flatter to deceive really. And it's, it's just so disappointing. And like you say, it, it, it can't be luck because it's clearly a trait that the squad have picked up somehow. Cause you look at the, the team we had last season, well, I don't think they had that trait in them at all. And it's just so bizarre to see from the recruitment point of view, how, how that trait could have infiltrated the squad without, you know, I understand we had a high turnover of players over the summer window, but still, you've got key cogs of the wheel that were here last year, haven't you? Jacko, Scully, Walsh, Hopper, Brigger. Um But yeah, obviously, just it, it, it's infuriating to to be so close to these really good teams. Like you say, Bolton probably didn't have to get out of second gear to beat us last night, and that is what's so frustrating. Um, constantly playing against teams who are there for the taking and. You know, we just can't put a dinner away, can we? Do you think it's confidence thing? It, yeah, potentially. Um, I think, I think the, the squad last year benefited from us not being there in a way, and it sort of sounds a bit weird um, because obviously Lincoln is renowned as a, a really good atmosphere, but I feel that because the results haven't gone the way they have, the crowd at, at Central Bank turns quite a bit, and it can get pretty toxic. I remember I, I didn't see it myself, but. I remember walking away from the Hartlepool game with you and hearing Chris Maguire had squared up to a fan. Um, a friend of mine said, John Mark, Chris had a word of a supporter after, it might have been the Doncaster game, I'm not too sure. Um, obviously, they want to throw rumours out there, but it's what I was told. And it could well be a confidence thing, Gaz, because the, the crowd the crowd don't help. The crowd are really on edge. Every time we're playing out the, from the back, you're going, oh God, when they're going to give it away. And that doesn't help the players. And we've got a really young squad and confidence is a massive factor when you've got so many young players. And you can sort of tell we've got, like, even to take, for example, Hakeem Adelican, massive confidence player. Massive. Like, when the, when, the, when it's going good, Hakeem looks, well, that game against Bradford, the game against Cambridge, I thought he looked unplayable at times. But then when you've got the crowd going, oh God, Bambi on ice is going to give the ball away. It's... It's damaging, and I can understand from a player's point of view why they might not perform because they've got no confidence. And ultimately, you look but at the team having, last year. Go on, guess. Go, go on. I was going to say, having said that, and I get your point about last year, and to a degree, I agree with that. But we had great support at Bolton on Tuesday night. We were phenomenal. Yeah. We had phenomenal support against Morecambe, and I, I actually don't think the crowd particularly got on the players' backs. Um, mm. Wickham again. So I kind of. Whilst I buy into the fact, and I, I've said it numerous times before, that you know, a player makes an errant pass, and I go, oh, 
and it's not me having a pop at the player. It's just no. natural. Do you know what I mean? It's like if if you're walking with a cup of tea and you spill a bit of it on the floor, you go, oh, it's, it's an exhale. When yeah, And that's natural. So if I do it and the guy next to me does it and the whole row does it or the block does it or four blocks do it naturally, yeah. mm. you hear it and it's not the the crowd getting on the fans back. I think the supporters actually have been excellent post Christmas. I think it was difficult before Christmas. I think that there was an issue of COVID and masks and, you know, there was still the come down. We, there was a massive, people talked about disconnection and I, and I kind of said, Oh, it's a winning or a losing thing. And I've, I've kind of readjusted that now. I actually think it's, we had such a great season last year and we weren't there and everybody wanted to come back and they wanted that because we'd watched it on our screens and you know, we've all been so invested in Lincoln for so many years and we watched that. We're in the champion the playoff for the championship. And then you go back and one of the you know, we, we we beat Fleetwood, it was average. We then lost to Bolton, we drew with Plymouth, and I think there was a almost like a disappointment, a collective disappointment, which which manifested itself in that kind of disconnection. Um I, I don't know whether the lack of confidence, you know, whether the players take that from the fans' natural reactions. I mean, I haven't heard a lot of booing of late mm. at the end of a game. And you would think losing to Doncaster, there could have been. I didn't hear it. I did hear booing earlier in the season. I didn't hear it this time. I don't know. And and we talk about Hacks, you know, he's, he's a great point that you make about Hacks' confidence player. But then if a player can only perform when the crowd are on his side or when things are going well, how many of those can you accommodate? And that kind of, I think, brings us on to Mr. Whitaker. Yeah. And I'm not going to instigate a pile on here because there were three or four players who did not play well against Bolton. You know, and, and I'm happy to say, in my opinion, I don't think Chris Maguire was particularly on it. Um, I don't think Ted Bishop was in the second half. I think he was anonymous, good first half. I think at the back we looked susceptible. And almost certainly John Marquis didn't have a good game. So I'm not piling on Morgan. But again, if he's a confidence player, how do you go about re reinstalling that confidence? And also looking at the third goal, he took absolute pelters for that. And whilst his tackle isn't great, he had tracked back. But there was a point where David Kerslake, I think, yelled at him for tracking back as well. You know, what do we do with Morgan now? I mean, you, the talks of sending him back are ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Talks of him being the worst Lincoln City player we've ever seen, utterly ridiculous. Do you yeah. play him on Saturday? You take him oh, out of the firing uh, line? Uh, I, I don't know. I think there's only, like Appleton sort of said in his post-match, there's only one way these young players are going to learn and you've got to put them in that situation. And for the long-term benefit of Morgan Whitaker, I think you have to play him and you have to chuck him in at the deep end. You have to see what his character's made of. And they'll sink or swim. And ultimately, it's not our decision whether he's... You know what I mean? Because he's not our player. He's on loan with us. Um, but these are the same supporters who are saying... You know, that he's the worst player to wear a Lincolnshire, that after the Oxford game, when he turned up and he won that game for us, essentially, oh my God, where's he been all season? You know, what we'd have been up, you know, nowhere near the relegation zone with this lad in our team. And, you know, I, I hate to, to quote Danny Cowley because I got bloody jibed for it um, at Bolton in the, in the, in the, in the um, concourse. Never too high, never too low. When you win, don't get too buzz in and get go out and get drunk which like I do all the time and when you're low don't get depressed and it's the same with a player um, you know Whitaker is a young player I watched him at, at Derby several times when he was young when he was younger and he was he was brilliant and but you've just got to be careful with these young players because you can a few words on social media can 
he's you know if people said, came up to me and said oh my god you're the worst digital engagement officer i've ever seen at lincoln college i would be like all right well i'll, I'll be shot of confidence when i next go to do my job so i think that the role of the supporter is just to to get behind him on saturday because you know if, if he can put in a performance like he did against oxford and then like he did it you know, even at Sunderland, he was brilliant, wasn't he, when he set up Chris Maguire's goal. And then even Plymouth, I think he played quite well. Obviously, he missed a, a really good chance. Um, you get behind him. and I, I, But I, I, in answer to your question, Gaz, I know I've gone like round the roundabout about 65 times here, but I, I would start him Saturday purely just to test his metal a little bit. I I find it interesting. I'm just going to call up the stat. I don't know that if I if I can look. I actually think he had a decent first half on um, Tuesday night. He he certainly had an effort uh, at goal. Hang on, here we go. So in the first half on Tuesday, you watch. This is this is where because we're, I'm doing the stats live. Um, this is where I end up looking like a mug. Um, so no, he didn't have a shot. Um, 67% pass <laughs> accuracy. Uh, 46% collections. Yeah. <laughs> So no, actually he was he was uh, poor in the first half. So there we go. Um, he did. I mean, there he, he had a shot in the second half. Yeah, I knew that yeah. there was a shot in the second half. And for those who don't know, we're recording uh, on on Streamyard, so we're doing it with video, and I'm now gesticulating to Jake, who's dressed as if he's trying to sell me insurance. So, um, I, I, but no, I, I I get what you mean about um, people you're kind of not getting on his back now. I, I think it's easy to point at lone players and say they're they're to blame. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've seen a lot of that. You know, they haven't got the the bottle for a, a fight. And I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. But I don't know if maybe we do. You know, there was a lot of focus on how players react to feedback on social media. Yeah. They read it. Don't think that they don't. If you've got yeah. ten followers, if you're retweeted by somebody that's got a couple of thousand, it you know it gets read. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think. Well, I think you only have to read the um, the interview they did with Ben House. They they clearly know the, the song that, that Cornell came out with, don't they? So they, they sing it to him in the training ground. So um, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. And I, I think in terms of the lone players, I think it is easy to point a finger. But then you know, a year ago, we were literally one of the best places for any club in the country to send their lone players because of what we did for Brennan and what we did for Morgan Rogers and Alex Palmer and things like that. So to see that sort of thing happen, you know, within the course of the season is really disappointing. And yeah, um, it's easy to blame them, isn't it? Because they're not ours and that you might, you might think that, oh, a lone player might not care as much as somebody that we've got permanently. So you might think that Fiorini doesn't care as much as maybe Ted Bishop, but you know, it, they, they, they do, don't they? Because they're here, they want to impress their parent club and they want to go back and make an impact there. And, the way by doing that is adhering to the supporters where you go out on loan and you, you get some minutes and, and you play well. And Fiorini will be disappointed with how this loan went. I think Dan Lunderley will be disappointed with how this loan has gone. But, it, it, again, it's difficult, isn't it? it it's difficult to, to, to lay blame on loan players. I can, I, can, I can understand, perhaps, performances. But, again, you have to realise that there are young players living away from home, probably for the first time. And... It's hard for them, you know. You can imagine anyone else in, in, in any other line of work being shipped, maybe eighty, ninety miles away from the family, from the friends, and, and they're forced to perform at the top level straight away. I know the fact that they're paid a, a bag full of money helps, but it's it's emotionally difficult for somebody. I can imagine. 
See, I'm going to do what I do with Ben now, so I'm just going to pull you up on something there, Jake. Um, oh, God. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, going to pull you, I'm going to pull you up on three things, actually. I've been noting them down here. First of all, Morgan Whitaker. It's not like he's particularly new to the area. He's moved from kind of Wellbourne to Derby to Swansea. So, you know, that is just a point. Uh, Louis Fiorini had already been, you know, he's been yeah. lived in another country. Yeah, before coming yeah. back here. But the point I actually wanted to clarify was you said Lewis, you think Lewis Fiorini will be disappointed with his loan. And that I'm not so sure he will. Because I'm not so sure he's had a bad loan. Yeah, he's not a 46 game a season Joe Morrell player of the year. That's an outstanding loan. Mm. But when he goes back to Man United uh, Man City rather, will it be will it be deemed that he's not had a good loan? He's scored a few goals, he's started a few games. Okay, he's dropped out the team now. And for me, maybe that is the type of player that people are talking about more as in it's not a particularly great environment because he's come here and done all right, but he's been labelled generally as a failure when perhaps he hasn't. Yeah. I think it's too early to say Morgan Whitaker's loan has been a success or a failure. It's too early to say the same about Liam Cullen. It's too early to say the same about Brooke Norton Coffey. You know, you're only you're only two bad performances away from being deemed droppable, you know, get him out the side. And you're only two or three games out of the side away from being called the answer to the question. Because people this week have been saying, should bring Haki Badelican back in on the right. Whereas, mm. and I'm not naming the name, but there was one user on Twitter who eight, ten weeks ago was saying, Haki Badelican's one of the worst players he's ever seen play. Now he wants him, what's he done wrong? He needs him back in the first team. And I've seen the same yeah. with Fiorini. So I think it's just interesting. I don't think loan players are the problem. I don't think any one factor is the problem. And people will tell you it is. They'll tell you it's Michael Appleton. They'll tell you it's the loan players. It's They'll tell you it's a lack of fight. They'll tell you it's the injuries if they're happy clappers like me. They'll oh, it's the injuries to blame. It's, you know, and now most of the players are back. It's why well, it's Liam Bridcut. You know, if he was back, you know, we'd be fine kind of thing. And mm. I just think that there's a whole load of things. I don't think on just you know, tie, tie up Tuesday, which is the longest we've ever talked about a single match, 38 minutes in, but just to kind of tie that up, I, you know, I don't, in my opinion, as a, as a kind of a, an observer, I think that the substitutes were made too late. I think it was clear after Ted Bishop took the ball in the baby maker and, and, you know, severely dented his chances of ever putting little Ted Bishops out there. I think his performance just dropped off the cliff after that. I think he'd been very, very good up to that point. Mm. Yeah. And Chris Maguire, I wonder if maybe at that point you look and you think, well, I could bring Sanders on for Bishop and you know, at one all go with the double fours in front of the back four and let's take the draw. And uh, I think Michael always plays that, if we're two one up, he wants to go and score a third. If it's one all, he wants to go and win the game. Whereas sometimes I buy this the game management element, but that's only one factor, you know. And then you've got players who haven't had a great game. Marquis and Whitaker contribute to the defeat. Players being injured contribute to other defeats. And for me, I just think we've got to stay in the division this year, which I still hand on heart think we will. Your yeah. games are running out for everybody. You think we've got what fourteen games left, and and some teams below us have got kind of. 12 or 11 games left you know the opportunity for those teams to get points is running out we just need to pick up points as and when we can um and then i think it'll be an overhaul in the summer and we do need to shift some of these injured players we do need to go into 35 games a season with two center halves that play with each other every single week that's not the reason we're conceding goals all the time but it will be the reason for one or two goals and all these little factors keep building up but of course we go into Nice smooth segue there. We go into um, Saturday's game now. Kind of you know, everybody's saying again, it's a must win. In my opinion, it's another must not lose. Mm. 
But it's not an easy one, is it? I mean, Gillingham are a team we know what we're going to get. And even with new manager going in, I think we still know what we're going to get. Yeah, I, I think it'd be nice to, to play Gillingham when Steve Evans isn't in charge. Um, Neil Harris is a manager that I've come across a few times in my, in my journalistic career. Um, a bit off topic in terms of Saturday, but I met him when he was back when he was Millwall manager um, at a game against Walsall. And he called me a wanker, which is fair enough. Um, Did he, why? Because uh, I was just stood about in the press room and nobody else was there. Um, and I, I thought it was a little harsh at the time. I was only 18 in one of my first ever you know, post-match press conferences. And he just wanted to get home, I think. And I wanted to ask him a question. And perhaps I shouldn't have done. But I was intrigued. Anyway, um, Gillingham, I think... What questions did you ask him? How did he? No, 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 more. Come on, more. I want to know what happened. What question did you ask him? And what did he say to you? I think Walsall had won on the day, and I was just maybe a little bit inquisitive as to why Millwall at the time were one of those teams. I think they actually went up through the playoffs that year, and I that I think they've been beaten three-one. Walsall had scored from the halfway line, and I I think I asked him. I just asked him about where it went wrong. And he had, it was sat there. It was at, uh, literally, it was outside of the, the allotted press conference time. Ah, uh, so you were actually being a wanker. Well, well, yes, and the, yeah, but I was okay. too nervous to. I was too nervous to ask him a question in front of all these established journos, and I was on my own. And I thought, well, nobody else is here. He's just sat at the desk. I'm going to ask him a question. Didn't take politely to it, um, quite understandably, but. That's the story of, of how I met Neil Harris. And hopefully we won't be having a reunion on Saturday. I, I mean, if I see him, I should return the favour, if anything. I think we should set that up. I think we should set I, it I'm up. I'll have, a word, I'll have a word with Charlie and see if we can get you in. And, and you know, because let's face it, you won't be in front of a steam journalist. It'll just be the Echo guy there. So um, <laughs> you'll be able to, you'll be able to kind of, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how it was meant. Uh, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, so, yeah, you can ask him your question and hopefully you can ask him about what, why it all went wrong. But will it go wrong? I mean, they haven't scored for, um, well, they scored one in three games and that was against Morecambe. They changed their formation. They've been playing 5 3 2, um, gone recently to a 3 4 3. I mean, <laughs> I know you sometimes do the um, sometimes do the preview. I've had a look over. I mean, I quite like Max Emma. I think they've got nice, uh, decent wingers. I like Ben Reeves at this level. I think he scored. Did he score one of the goals when Plymouth beat us four um, three? Yeah, three two. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've got Ben Thompson, who's just gone there from Millwall. Um, Millwall. Big big player for them. We know what Vanade Oliver's going to bring. Elbows um, predominantly, but they've lost some key players as well. I mean, it's. It's going to be another Doncaster, isn't it? They're just going to come uh, here and shut yeah. the top. Yeah, I, I think so because, like you said earlier, it's a do not lose, and that I think in terms of in terms of Gillingham, the, the honeymoon period sort of over. I think Harris went in, didn't he? And made a bit of an in, instant impact. Um, I remember watching um, Matt. Uh, they did, he did a vlogger away at Ipswich, and um, they seemed to be despite losing. That game, excuse me, they were pretty happy with how they performed. I think they, they beat Cambridge at home as well. Um, and uh, things were sort of going, oh, God, Gillingham are coming over the hill a bit like Michael Boswick, you know, out of, out of nowhere. And and then all of a sudden they just sort of fell off a cliff and that momentum was completely gone. Um, don't get me wrong, 
Neil Harris is a good manager, whatever I think of him. He, he's done good things in, in the Football League and obviously got the, got the Cardiff job off the back of that. But they're in a bit of dismal form and I, I, I'm not so worried about them. They're, I think they'll, like Doncaster, they'll come and set up not to be beat. They've got some good players, like you mentioned, but they've lost Kyle Dempsey, a massive loss, haven't they? They've lost, um, oh no, he went to, we went to Burton and went to Wrexham, but they're still, they're still a good side, but they're without Dempsey and obviously um, they've got some good players. I think there's a lad on loan from Norwich uh, that they've got up front. Charlie Kelman is a player that, you know, it was really highly thought of when uh, when he moved up from South End to QPR, and they, they're not a bad side. Um, well, Jake, look at the table; they clearly are. Yeah, but, they are. They are. They are a bad side. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. They're, and, they're and not. They're not a good side. We were disappointed. We were disappointed when we went there and drew. Obviously, there were, there were factors surrounding the game that made the game not important. But we were disappointed to come away from with a point, and I think. I think Saturday will be again will be disappointed with a point. You know, you look at the teams that are behind us in the table. I would expect this is a game that we might win, um, even though our, obviously our home record is not great. But Gillingham are so bad, I feel like they might win the game for us. <laughs> you just said that they're a good team. Now you're saying they're so bad. What are you like, Mister Inconsistency? <laughs> look, I'm, look, I'm just Lincoln. I'm just Lincoln City of twenty-one, twenty-two, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great, that is a great comeback. I mean, look, I, we know what they're going to do. I've, you look at the stats and you think, well, the new manager's gone in there, so is he going to change the style of football? No, they play just as many long passes. If anything, they play fewer passes, so they have a little bit less possession. They're still going long. They're still aiming for Big day, and They still want to get the players around them. And they're one of the teams that come to us and you look at their forward line and you think, not really sure I'd take any of those players. Do you know what I mean? We'll take Vidane Oliver really in our team over John Marquis or Tom Harper. It wouldn't take I mean Ben Reeves has scored past this tidy little player, but would I rather have him on the flank instead of Anthony Scully? No. And I, mm. and and seriously people will say, oh I'd rather have him over than Whitaker. Well first of all he plays on the left flank, not the right flank. And secondly, I'm not sure I would. I'm not sure I'd play yeah, I quite like Hakeeb out there as well. I'm not sure if I'd play him over Hakeeb. So you know that that's important. I do think also when you look at the games on Saturday you say a point would be disappointing. It would be disappointing in terms of who we're playing. But at the same time, you take a point from that game. You've got Wimbledon and Doncaster play each other. They're probably going to lose points. Shrewsbury have got a tough game away at Burton Albion. Crew, I think, are gone anyway. Ipswich go to Morecambe. Uh, it's going to be a tough one. Morecambe, you know, even if Morecambe pick up a point. I, I just think you, if you're picking up points here and there now at this stage, you know, you'd... It's, that's what it's about and and if they come to us and they want to shut up shop and it gets to 70 minutes and we're getting frustrated don't start committing men forward don't push for the win because that's when we're susceptible don't take the risks if we have to take the draw take the draw and that's why this season and last season are very different because last season we could have done that because you wouldn't have had the crowd turning so it would have been well, we, you know we don't have to go on and try and do it and i remember not name dropping and it's the second or third time he's been mentioned this 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 podcast but i remember talking to danny cowley after he had left lincoln and he was talking about the, the summer signings and he said we knew that we were going to have to start playing a better fo- version of football um because of the reaction to fans after the colchester game but just because we knew we weren't going to win as many games and what gets fans on board is either winning football or attractive football mm-hmm. if you're playing horrible football and winning fair enough but you come into league one you can't play horrible football and win all of the time Wickham are doing a decent job of it at the moment the bubble will burst Gillingham are proving that long ball will not get you 
Um, you know, when you're a club like us and you can't afford the better players, it will not get you promoted. Wickham, are, yeah, they've got a bit of cash. They're signing decent players. They've got good footballers at Wickham. They've signed Sam Votes, as we know. So you know, when you start playing long ball football with decent players, you can be a success. And so I think that's also something that Lincoln fans have got to think about. Is, is you know I remember when we were winning and we were playing badly, people go, "Well, we're winning, but I'm not entertained. I'm not watching this." And now we're playing nice football and we're not winning. It's like, oh, I'd rather play horrible football and win. And and you can go all the way back to the days of John Beck with that. People will argue, you know, I'll sit with somebody and say John Beck, and they'll say he was an arsehole. I'd rather have not got promoted playing that football. And other people will go, "Best days of my life." So you know, it swings and roundabouts. Um, with Neil Harris, I mean, I actually thought he was one of football's nice guys, um, but obviously not for, for calling you out for your rude question. Um, but he did say an interesting thing in a press conference today that he thought our squad was top six to top eight. What were your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a bit of a push. I think maybe top ten, um, ba- you know, purely based on on the squads of some of the teams up there, like Sunderland and Wigan, um, probably. Teams like Rotherham as well. I, I think I probably take most of the Rotherham players over some of ours. Um, I, I mean, I, I get what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to go into this game thinking uh, this is Lincoln. That on paper they, they should batter us. I think it's a bit of a defence mechanism for him. I think you know he's expecting not to come up here and get anything by heavily compensating on on what he thinks our players' abilities are and. Um, and, and then obviously if they, if they turn around and lose, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, we sort of, they're a really good side and we expected to get beat. Whereas if they win, they go to their own feed, the media, he will, he will probably cream all over it and go, you know, we just beat a team that probably should be in the top six, but they're not. Um, so, and that might gather them a bit of momentum. So I can understand why he said it. I think he's wrong. I don't think we have a top six team. They're, we've got a good side, don't get me wrong. So obviously, factors have sort of culminated in us being in a relegation battle. But I believe this squad is, is probably a top ten squad, maybe ten to twelve sort of area, maybe eighth, ninth. Um, I, I think he's been a bit over generous, and, and I, I'm genuinely a positive guy, guys. But I would like some of whatever Neil Harris has been on, if that's all right. Yeah. Whereas in a couple of pictures on your intro for the video, you look like you have. Um, yeah, I would. I mean, I've got the list of teams in front of me now. You, you, Wickham arguably got a better squad. MK Dons, yes. Bolton Wanderers, yes. Ipswich, yes. Oxford, yes. Plymouth, 50 50. Rotherham, yes. Portsmouth, probably. You know, yeah. they might not agree, but probably. Chef Wednesday, yes. Charlton, yes. Wigan, Sunderland. So, mm. uh, yeah, we should be higher than we are. But if we were anywhere other than the bottom half of the table, given how the season's panned out, and I think I said 10th at the beginning of the season, and, and, and now I kind of think top of the lower half, I think that we have got a better squad than Gillingham. And, yeah. and that's not trying to be critical of Gillingham, but they haven't had the money to spend. And there's me kind of doing Steve Evans' job for him, isn't it? Even though he's not there, going, oh, our budget, well, if I had half what they were on, yeah, okay, pipe it. Um, and I like the way he was being linked with the Bradford job. He was at the game on Saturday. And now they're giving it to Mark Hughes. It's like, oh, yeah. we were we were going to have you, Steve. We were. Thanks for coming. You know, thanks for coming. I hope you paid your ticket price. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's a tough division, and he's he's like you say, he's it's a bit of mind games, and it's almost like he's doing what Steve did. Steve, God, it feels yeah. like we're on first name terms. What Baron Greenback did, like back in the day, because he's almost kind of going, oh, Lincoln are so much. They've got so much more than us. They're yeah. so much better than us. Um, but it, it's interesting and it's got quite a lot of people kind of on social media saying it's 
you know, it's crazy. And then other people are saying, well, we have got that good a squad, so it must be with the manager that's at fault. And again, it's uh, we're trying to pin pin fault somewhere where, you know, is there any, is the big question. Mm. It, so, it reminds me, guys, think, a little bit of, sorry, guys, it reminds me a little bit of when we won League sorry? 2 and every, every, every manager before the game were going, well, Lincoln at top of the league, they've got a really good squad, they've got a big budget for this division. Uh, and, you know, they were lowering their expectations coming into the game. It was almost happening on a weekly basis. And for this season, it's just a little bit bizarre to hear that because I think most managers have said, yeah, Lincoln are a good side, but they've got weaknesses. Whereas Neil Harris has sort of just perhaps blown a bit of smoke up our arse. Yeah, I agree. And look, we have got a better budget than some. And you mentioned Jamie Robson earlier, arguably the club record signing and people are looking at and go, well, you spent money. Yeah, but you know, Teo Eden could become the club's record sale. And we spent a portion of that money replacing him on a player who as yet hasn't broken into the side, who I still think will do well. So you know, from the outside looking in, I can see how people think we've got money and nothing annoys me more than teams who have got money or have spent money denying it and MK Dons do it quite a lot you know yeah. oh well, we haven't paid that many transfer fees Ipswich fans Ipswich fans go, oh we haven't paid any transfer fees and we've sold this player and that player it's like yeah but if Louis Barry wasn't playing for you it could have been costing you five figures a week well it's all yeah. speculation Sunderland fans are the same you know if like when we got promoted from League Two hands up balls out we had the third best budget in the division I think I've been told Sim- you know, there we are we finished first so we outperformed our budget but we were yeah, you know, we did have a very good budget we didn't have a budget that was on the level of um, I think it was there was Forest Green and Mansfield potentially had better yeah. budget than us yeah. I'm not sure about Berry were, were kind of there or thereabouts from what I've been told we did have a good budget and we got promoted on the back of that we have a top we have a, a, a kind of a mid-table budget now and we're slightly underperforming it but only slightly yeah, and the truth is we, we, we're in a relegation battle, but we're not in the relegation zone. Um, but, you know, you've got to take something out of this game at the weekend mm. and, and make yeah. sure. And let's face it, if we did win the game, and it is a big if, in my opinion, I think this is a harder game for us to go and win than Bolton because they're going to come, they're going to shop shot, they're going to be hard to break down. We, we've struggled. We're going to have to try something else. we have to watch Big Vidane uh, up top as well. But if we were to win it, and, and, and let's say Morecambe don't beat Ipswich, or let's say Fleetwood go to Portsmouth and, and, and don't get anything, and, and there's eight points between us and the relegation zone, mm. and there's one game fewer for everybody to play, you know, it's, it's getting to that point where literally now two or three wins back-to-back, and we can just go, done and dusted, right, now you can all bicker as much as you want on social media. I'm not going to fucking Barrow next season. I'm going to Bolton. Do you know what I mean? And that's the difference, isn't it? It's it, it's it's Barrow or Bolton. It's um, I can't think of any others off the top of my head. Like Port Vale or Portsmouth, although Port Vale <laughs> might come up. Forest Green or Fleetwood probably going to swap places, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I I think you're probably right, Gaz. Um, it's 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 one of those, isn't it? Where you know we, we want we want nothing more than for five games left of the season for there to be nothing to play for, and I oh, I don't okay. think supporters have ever sort especially Lincoln over the last six seven years have, n- have never wanted to go into the season with nothing to play for because obviously with the year we came we the year we won the national league obviously we wanted to win the league title uh, the, the playoff year I think that was pretty late in the year when that was last day stuff with Tom Pett um obviously we won the league league two pretty early but still 10 games to go you want you still wanted to win and last season was automatic promotion so uh, so yeah it's 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I've forgotten the question, Gaz. To be quite there frank. wasn't a question. You just picked up a loose thread. There wasn't a question. Uh, you were all right. But I'm with you. Uh, if somebody said to me now, right, every game between now and the end of the season means nothing and you're in the league one next season, I would literally yeah, take that please. hand, wrist and, and lower arm all day long. And yeah, I, I this is going to sound really odd because I love football, but I hate football. I hate watching football at Lincoln thinking if we lose this, this is going to happen. And like I, we talk about how magic the national lead win was. And I remember sitting there, I think it was Bromley. We beat one nil yeah. late on in the year. It was Alan Powell Billy sent off and Billy, Billott Billy, Billy not scored, didn't he? Powell was sent off, wasn't he? And I, I remember that game kind of, we were on like a bit of a winning run and it, it formed part of the run that took us through to winning the title. And I remember just sitting there thinking, I'm not enjoying this. Mm. I would, you know, and it's easy. We look back at the Torquay game and go, oh, what a great game that was. Yeah, it was when it had finished and we'd mm. won 2-1. But up until like up, nil-nil all the way through the later minutes and then Ronan Keaton's nephew scored, that wasn't, none of that was great. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? It's great to look back on now. But if you yeah. said to me, do you want to relive that day again? I'd go, oh, Jesus Christ, like 80 no, minutes, thanks. 95 <laughs> minutes with half time. No, I'll tell you what, I'll just turn up at the end. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and yeah. I, I enjoy watching football as a neutral, but I don't do it because I don't have a vested interest in it. But then I don't always enjoy watching football when I've got a vested interest in it. It's, it's yeah. really strange. So, well, look, we're knocking on 57 minutes now. I think the one thing was the one last thing I just wanted to touch upon just for a minute or two was Michael said that he wouldn't be afraid to turn to Tom Hopper uh, for Saturday's game. Um, whether that's Tom with John Marquis, whether that's Tom replacing John Marquis, you know, Aside from Brook Norton Coffee, I think actually Tom's been a shine, a, a bright spark. I mean, he, he did a great flick on, which he then had to try and chase. What are your thoughts? Do you think do you think maybe he should be starting? Yeah, I, I, I think probably best to take John out the firing line a little bit, um, especially at home where supports can get on get onto his backs pretty quickly. But I mean, he's played well, even though he's not scored. He's he's played really well most of the most for most of the time and. Look, Hops is Hops probably has that emotional connection of, of last season as well, and you know the Shearer at Sunderland and all that sort of thing. I think emotion plays into it a little bit, but in terms of freshening the team up, which I think we probably need in a game that is fairly important, and I, th- yeah, I think Hop- yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I think bringing Hops in wouldn't be the end of the world because, like you said, he came on against Bolton, did really well. I think you saw the reception when he came on against Doncaster on Tuesday was excellent. Um, he's a player that we've missed, even though at times last year you sort of may perhaps question his attitude, not his attitude, but his um, ability in front of goal. He was so important for us. It was similar to when we won League Two. I don't think we would have got promoted without John Akinde because the, 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 the style we played meant that John Akinde was absolutely perfect. And the style of football we played last year with Tom Hopper up top was absolutely perfect. And we're still playing the similar sort of football. So I think giving Hops an opportunity, we might sort of see a performance of last season, obviously without Johnson and, and Rodgers. And, and, but you've got players in there that can replace it. Morgan Whitaker could be a, the etiquette of Johnson and Scully could be the Rodgers. So I, I think Hops comes in for me, guys. Yeah, I, I, I was impressed with him Tuesday night. Um, and like I say, it's always good to, to freshen the team, but especially during a really big game as well. I agree. I agree for different reasons, surprisingly, because um, that's what I have to do. Uh, <laughs> I agree from a leadership point of view. I think that Tom's one of our leaders. I think he was captain on occasion last season, and I think you know when 
when we conceded on Tuesday, just for a minute, it looked like we might crumble. And actually, I think that he's the sort of player that won't necessarily stop it, but will be a large factor in turning the situation around very, very quickly. I think he's a player that the younger players look up to. And the other reason is his defensive ability at set pieces. Because actually, if you look at his aerial duels one last season, he won more aerial duels in his defensive penalty box than he did the attacking penalty box. Yeah. And that's one thing Gillingham will look to do. They will have watched games and they'll go, Lincoln City are shit at defending balls into the box. Get the Dane Oliver on and defend balls into the box. So, you know... I would like to see Joe Walsh come back into the side and mark the day and Oliver, I think he'll be the best man to do it. But at corners, it's not going to hurt when a ball comes across to have Tom Hopper attacking the ball, not tracking the player. Do you know what I mean? Follow the ball, Tom, bang, get it. Because they'll always leave one back. So we don't we don't leave one up. So there'll be a spare man, make it Tom. Um, yeah. And, and you know, with your reasons and my reasons combined, it's, for me, it's almost a non-brainer. Um, and, and I think... Last year, I said we needed another striker to back up Tom Hopper. I think a lot of people said we needed one to replace him. I think over the last four or five months, we've seen actually um, how important he is. So, Well, brilliant. We're at one hour and one minute. Uh, so I think it's probably time to wrap up. I can hear the kitchen going uh, through there. Fee is doing uh, something with chicken. Just me what is sweet corn fritters. Not really sure whether I do or not, but um, I'm getting them anyway. So mm. I've homemade. Got pizza, guys. I've got pizza. I can't eat pizza, can I? Because I am a fat bastard. I've lost half a stone. Oh, I am well, clapping yeah. for those who are listening. I can clap. Yeah. Well, no, that sounds yeah. like something else. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Don't be doing that because not with the video on. <laughs> You need to get you need to get Ben's on air light, don't you? And um, uh, whatever it is, he yeah, does it no. over NFT. Well, I, I don't know if you've seen Gary, but in, in some of the previews, my dad just walked in and, and brought me a cup of tea mid-recording, and As he, no, it's, it's gone down pretty well. Once. I did see that once, and also dogs barking a minute ago, not Charlie. So, right, so. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. This has been me and Jake. If we win next week, it'll be me and Ben. If we lose, one me or Ben will jib out and let Jake come on mm. again, no doubt. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for listening and up the imps. Up the imps. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.